space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. You're now listening to two very tired and wigged out podcasters because we just got back from doing the whole Star Trek experience, including the backstage tour and the shopping and the taking of the pictures and the everything that we could do. Oh, yes. So we're, we're tired, but we had a fantabulous time. But we wanted to follow up on the previous podcast wherein we talked about the crazy woman who hates us. And we have, as a special treat, our co-conspirator. Known by the crazy lady as some guy, TM. Better, yep. better known to you all as Greg, our own Kiwi that we took with us to the convention. Yes, our security officer. Our security officer. And, and we really wanted to get your reaction to the fact that you were referred to as some guy twice um, who was put up to doing this thing about telling Shatner about the show by a bunch of teenaged girls. So I just want to mm. know how you felt about that. And I want to know where you met all these girls. Where you met all these teenage girls? Yeah, yeah. So, what, how was that for you? How did that all work that out? Was, that was really good. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, thanks for that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm quite relaxed about it. Some guy. Uh huh. It's it's quite good. Yeah. It sort of reminds me of you know that sixty show, that girl. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, 2006. Some guy. It's, it's on. About a Kiwi who goes to Sacramento yeah. and experiences the big city. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Now, I now, just need really huge eyelashes. <laughs> <laughs> just to clarify, hmm. so that people don't think that we actually like held a gun to your head to make you get up there to do it. It was a toy phaser. <laughs> and you didn't actually fire it, right? No, 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 no. no, no. We just want people to know that you actually did this of your own free will. Oh, yeah, of my own free will. It's, it's true, but it just seemed like a really um, opportune thing to do. And, um, you know, you, you, you could have got up there, you two could have got up and said, have you heard our podcast? And that could be a bit cheesy, so I was pretty happy to do it. Yeah. I, I sort of do think that if I had had my wits about me a little bit more, I could have actually got him to um, say, look at my butt. But I think we had a pretty good result, didn't she? I thought you did a fantastic job, and I know I've said this to Lena several times about your your reading of your line with you holding for the laughs and everything was just so perfect. It was, and and I gotta say, you were under a lot of pressure. It were, you know, like I would be terrified. People, all those people in the ballroom, and there you were, yeah. you know, having to wait with all those other slightly insane people around you. Yeah. And everything. Well, I came on after Rat Lady, didn't I, or was it before her? <laughs> I think you were on just. And after that's her. a hard act to follow. <laughs> Shall I tell them what we found out about Rat Lady? Oh, please, yeah. yeah. Okay, I went back and read my con report from the, the Sacramento con we were at several years ago where we first encountered Rat Lady. 
and the one the lady with the 2006 eyeglasses she is not rat lady hmm. there are two separate annoying people and one was the one who asked about rats and one was this this freaked out person in the glasses but mm. in my mind, there was this transporter accident, and they became one person mm. whom we call Rat Lady. But it makes a much better story that way. See, oh, I, yes. I think that sh- we should just take that as, as fact now and go with it. And since Bill will tell anything in a way that makes it a better story uh-huh. and even confiscate stories that aren't his and urban <laughs> legends and tell uh-huh. them as his own, we can, we can still dub her Rat Lady. I think so. I think we should. Mm. Yeah. Maybe Murrah. Rat lady. <laughs> Did she have a little goatee? I didn't want to get close enough to check out the facial hair. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> so I, I just have to ask you, were you as amused as we were that the crazy lady got every single thing wrong in her description? <laughs> well, obviously she's gone back through all your episodes and listened to them completely. Carefully. And knows exactly what she's talking about. Um, yeah, what did she... Would have, what, perhaps been to the blog, maybe? No. She, she went to the blog, from what we can tell, and oh, saw really? the picture mm-hmm. at the top. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that was she, enough. She had seen enough. She decided we hated him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and she's so offended by it that she won't go back to the blog to find out if she is actually wrong. Right. So here's... Okay, mm-hmm. go, no, I'll, I have a, a plan, but say what you were mm. going to say first. Well, I just can't believe... She's obviously insane, because... <laughs> If there's any star out there that um, who could take what look at his butt is on about this, the spirit of it, it's Bill, isn't it? He would totally understand that, mm-hmm. you know, you poke a little bit of fun at him, but you really, really, you know, adore him. Yes. So I don't know what she, mm, she it's, it's like she doesn't, he's too precious to um, take any, any form of, um, you know, ribbing or criticism or anything like that. Yeah, Bill has a fragile ego. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes, yeah. <laughs> Poor guy, he's crying himself to yeah. sleep every night. Yeah. So she said in that one blog entry that she would only believe it if she heard it from Bill's lips. So I mm. think this is a goal mm-hmm. for us, that somehow we have to get Bill to say something like, this is look at his butt and I approve it, or something like that. <laughs> it's <laughs> like a political... And I approve this message. Yes, exactly. Um, <laughs> but it's actually going to be quite easy because... In addition to being insane, she can't spell and she can't type. So she said she will believe it when she hears it from William Shatter. And I'm pretty sure we could find someone named William Shatter and get him to say, they really do love William Shatter. It's true. Yeah. We could do if that. some teenage girls could get me to um, change my name to deed by deed poll, I, I could do that. <laughs> yeah. I'll be William how, Shatter. How big a, a bunch of teenage girls would it take? <laughs> How big is a bunch, anyway? <laughs> more than two, but less than ten? <laughs> ten would be a mob. I think it's, yeah. it's, it, that's That'd probably more a, of a handful. Um, an archaic usage, of, and the word that replaced it was gaggle. <laughs> so however many are in a gaggle, that's in a bunch. Okay. All right. We'll have to yeah, do a little a research coven. on that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I just think that, you know, if we could ever get Greg um, to help us. Mm. Uh, sorry, if we could get some guy to help us say, get <laughs> William Shatner to say... This is, look at his butt and I approve of it. I'm William Shatner. Or Shatter. It doesn't matter. That will happen someday. It will happen someday. Well, I hope that some guy can be part of it. Because that would sort of bring it full circle. 
Yeah, I'd be happy to oblige. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Greg. Thanks for, for spending a little time with us. I, I, everybody's will rest a little easier knowing that we cleared this with you. And that, yes. You know, it was and that okay. some guy is on board. Yeah, yeah, because that's important. Star Trek. The experience. It was an experience. It was an experience, and some of it was amazingly real. It, it was great. Um, it took a whole day, pretty much, to do and see everything that was there. And we weren't sure if it was going to take a whole day, but it really did, mm-hmm. which was surprising. Um, so let's see. Let's start at the beginning. Okay. <laughs> so we came on the package deal. Right. Which turned out to be really good. So you get the room, and you get tickets to get in, and then you get um, a discount on uh, the shop. And you also get free meals at Quark's. So that one free meal. Well, no, we have enough tickets that we probably could have gotten gotten other ones. Yeah. So that all worked out extremely well. We were Mm -hmm. very happy about that. It's quite a bargain. It is. So we went to um, the first tour ride thing. Right. There are two rides. One is called Klingon Klingon Encounter, Uh and the other one is called Borg Invasion 4D. I think. Yes. Okay. You're right. Yeah. Um, so the whole Star Trek experience thing is in the Las Vegas Hilton. Um, you have to walk through this casino called Space Quest to get there. And it's in this section by itself. And it's really, I mean, even from the outside, you can see the big models of the ships that are hanging up there. And they have, um, stuff playing on the monitors all the time. Like, um, different clips from different shows. And there's like a section about Q and then there's sections about the ships. But even before you get there, you walk through the hallway that has the Manilow shop. Uh-huh. And so we took pictures of that. Mm-hmm. But then when you do hit the space area, it was surprising to me that from what we saw, none of the slot machines in there, and there are slot machines yeah. everywhere, were space or Trek-themed, although there was a Green Acres one. Yeah, just <laughs> random. Random. Which we thought was weird. But uh, one of the very first things that struck me when we got there was, oh my God, look at the carpet. It's Starfleet carpet. It is. So we took pictures. We took pictures of the carpet. We took pictures of everything. We, it's a, we have an amazing collection it's to post fo- for you. It's a photographic journey. Um, so that was very cool. And uh, we had our tickets, so we didn't have to wait too long to get in and did our thing. And um, a lot of showing of ID, I noticed, at the mm-hmm. hotel. I'm not quite sure why that was. But we were asked to show photo ID quite often. Yeah. Um, so, let's see. So, we went in, and we got our hands stamped, and as you go to where the ride entrance is, you walk through the museum, um, and the museum, and the timeline, which is a separate thing, so the museum is sort of on the right, and the timeline is on the left, and uh, the timeline is pretty cool, and, and as they were explaining during one of the, on the tour that we took, they had to alter it when um, Enterprise came on the air, because the, the whole thing was actually started in 1998. Right. So they had to add the movies that came out subsequent to that and the Enterprise series as well. So they had to rejig some of the timeline and put some other things in. Um, and then they told us that all of the props and the costumes that were in the glass cases had actually appeared either in movies or on the TV show. But we didn't know that the first time we were going through it. Yeah. And so we were curious about that. But we were we knew we had to come back and do the, the museum uh-huh. individually because we were just enthralled by it and wanting to, to do photos of so yeah. many, many 
interesting things. But one of the fun things to me about um, the timeline, and then as you got further in, and there were other exhibits that weren't props and costumes, but were things about like all of the different types of ships mm-hmm. and all the different aliens. Was it really did remind me so much of museum exhibits, especially at like the San Jose Museum of Technology uh-huh. and places like that. And so that was really fun, yeah. and it was not it, it, it cheesy. No, no, it's it's very very well done, and yeah, it's done like a real museum of history would mm-hmm. be. You know, it's like oh, these are significant artifacts from history, and not just here's some crappy costumes that we've decided right. to put on display. So, and some of the stuff they had was amazing, but yeah, we'll get to that. It, it was great. So you walk through this, and it's sort of up and down some ramps that go along, and um, the whole time you're there, you know, there's music, Star Trek music, and stuff on the monitors, and there's a lot of sort of audio visual stimulation the whole time you're there, and we were particularly thrilled because on the loop that they show in one of the the videos um, every probably 15 minutes or so they have the section of Kirk giving the risk is our business speech which is just so nice and it's so nice to hear him say it's so wonderful and um you know, so we're waiting in line, and you come to this point where the the line splits, and you can either do the Klingon ride or the Borg ride, and then later you can just come back uh-huh. and, and do the yeah, other one. The tickets say you can in in a day when you're there ride as many times as you can. Right. <laughs> Not as many times as you want to, as many times as you can. Right. Right. So, okay. So um, we got in line for the Klingon one. So you're you're waiting, and we were in the first group, mm-hmm. which was great. And um, there's this guy who out annoys the movie phone voice doing the announcement about welcome to the Star Trek experience. And we're like, oh, my God, you know, I hope it's not, this is not an indication of what is to come. But it wasn't. But it wasn't. It was an anomaly, the voice. It was. Yeah, so that was really pretty good. Now, once you get past a museum and into the ride itself, you cannot take any pictures. Right. Or, you know, any of that sort of stuff. It's it's copyright violation, uh-huh. the whole thing. So, um, so tell them the premise of the Klingon ride. So the premise of the Klingon ride is that, um, you go into this thing and it's supposed to be like a flight simulator and you get about, uh, 10% into it and you're in this room and suddenly something happens and you've been snatched into the future and almost kidnapped by Klingons, but you end up on the Enterprise, Picard's Enterprise, and then the rest of the ride is you trying to escape from these Klingons who are trying to grab you. But actually, it's not like us deciding what to do to no, escape. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, yeah, the thing is, they, they take us to the bridge yes. where we are addressed by Riker, who uh-huh. is down in engineering. And so it is, you know, Jonathan Frakes, mm-hmm. of course, on a film, but we're seeing him on the, the bridge screen telling us that Lieutenant so-and-so is going to guide us to a shuttlecraft yes. and they're going to attempt to pilot this shuttlecraft through wormhole, whatever, get us back to our own century. Mm -hmm. And the reason they wanted to kidnap us is someone in our group is one of the ancestors of Picard. Mm -hmm. So the minute we appeared, Picard disappeared. disappeared. So that explains why you don't see Patrick Stewart. Right. (laughs) (laughs) It was a way of covering up that they couldn't pay him enough money to actually appear on screen for this thing. Right. Um, I noticed one little detail, and and this was confirmed later, um, when Riker is talking to you, the audience, and he says, you know, the Klingons have attempted to to capture a group of 21st century people. And I was thinking, 
didn't they open this before 2000? And sure enough, they did. They opened it in 98. So I guess when they actually made the film of, of Frakes saying it, they had to get one take of him saying 20th century people and one take of him saying 21st century mm-hmm. people. Yep. Because they figured it was going to last more than two years. Right. After all the, the $50 million that they spent on it. So this lieutenant who's put in charge of us mm-hmm. um, hustles us through the corridors of the Enterprise uh-huh. and to a shuttlecraft bay mm-hmm. Where we all get in a big shuttlecraft because uh-huh. there were like twenty seven, twenty eight people in the group, and and then we 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 fly, mm-hmm. and uh, and this ride has a million warnings about don't go on it if you're pregnant, if you have uh, back trouble, if you're subject to motion sickness, all these things. So mm-hmm. you really do get you know thrown around. I mean, there's yeah. seat belts and yeah. and the whole thing, and these seats are not padded. No, they're not. They're made of hard plastic, molded plastic. And I'm pretty sure I got bruises. Yeah, you know, I think so. But it's 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 very exciting and it's very rough motion, yeah. like like it would be. And you're seeing on the the uh, front window, <laughs> the windshield of yeah. the shuttlecraft, you know, all the the board ships attacking you, and you're going Clean through the wormhole. Sorry, cleanup <laughs> ship. And uh, you know, so you're 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 seeing the whole thing, and you're you're getting thrown around. And yeah. So for people who have been to places like Universal Studios and been on those rides where there's a bunch of people sitting in a room and there's a film being projected, it's exactly like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very realistic. I mean, the effects are great, and the motion is great. I got to tell you what I thought was the coolest part, though. I mean, that was all you know, well uh-huh. and good, but um, when we initially end up in the transporter room. Uh-huh. And the door opens, and there's a tech there, and he says, "Welcome to the Enterprise." Uh-huh. And they hustle us down this hall, and they take us to the bridge, and there's all the sounds going boop, 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 and the, you know, there's people working and everything, and it really did feel like it. It really, it felt really like it. is the Star Trek experience, and to me, that's the moment worth being there for. Yeah, is welcome to the Enterprise, and you go down the halls, and, and even though it's TNG, it's very familiar. It is such an exact replication, and you walk onto that bridge, and it's like. I'm on the bridge. We're here. On the bridge. We made it. It's so cool. The um, it'll give you if you're a turkey. It'll give you a shiver. It, it was good. Um, the 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 thing. So the room that you're in, it's very good. And and when we took the backstage tour later, they showed us how it was done. Mm-hmm. So you walk into this small room, and um, it's a room that looks like when you go on a ride at Universal Studios. So you have to line up in in straight lines as if you're going to enter through these little doors, just mm-hmm. like at, you know, Marine World or Great America. Disney World, they all They're do all it. the same. They make you do this. So you're lined up in these things, and you're watching the safety video. And uh, as the safety video goes on, suddenly it cuts out. All the lights go off. You feel this sort of rumbling underneath your feet. And it's very disorienting. They do a it very is. good job of doing that. And the, the sounds are very loud, and you can hear... You know, like other things breaking and and all of a sudden there's this huge rush of air and then the lights come up and the walls that were around you are gone. You're standing on a transporter pad with the lights above you and you're in the transporter And the ceiling's different and the floor's different. Different. Everything's different. It was so cool. It was, it was. It was totally cool. It was very cool. And then of course at the end we ended up back in Las Vegas Uh and now we're, 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 um, breaking the rules. You know, they told Uh us. We should not tell anybody about this because we know too much about the future and we could alter things. So, right. you know, Picard, Wrecker, you may be kind of screwed because we're doing a podcast. Yeah, but that's okay. We don't care. Um, <laughs> but I thought one we of the, got ours. Yeah, one of the best things about the, the, 
the shuttlecraft ride that you're on is you go through a time rift mm-hmm. and you're back flying around Las Vegas. And it's very funny because you're seeing all these places um, down on the strip and you're, yeah. there's like Klingon warships trying to attack you and then the Enterprise shows up and blasts them and all that. And by the time you finally get back to the, the hotel, the Las Vegas Hilton, to make a landing, you have to crash through the big neon sign at the top of the hotel. <laughs> like, bam! Yeah, okay. It explodes. So yeah. that was really very, very cool. And I heard a couple a couple women make a comment that I totally agreed with when we got off. But mm-hmm. one of them went, up until now, I never knew I was subject to motion sickness. <laughs> and I felt the same way. I know, I did too. It's, because it's very... It, it's uh, a lot of motion, but it's also a lot of loud noises and mm-hmm. uh, bright lights and things. So I think mm-hmm. that all combines to right. do it. So, you, I mean... I think everybody, if you really were in space, we'd have been throwing up all over the place. So Bill's right about that. Yes. Yeah. Um, The people who are the actors in here are very good. Um, You know, they're they're sort of uh, low-key. You know, they don't go over the top or anything. Mm -hmm. They're wearing Starfleet uniforms, and and they they stay in character. Yes. Um, So I I thought they all did a really good job. They did. They were excellent. For people who have to do this for a living, you know, 20 times a day or whatever. Well, and as we found out, they are non-union actors, so... Knowing what I know of non-union, they are getting paid shit, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So I'm not even sure you can call it a living. Yeah. They work there. (laughs) I hope they get to eat in Quarks for free (laughs) or something. So then we hustle around and get back in line. To go on. To Borg 4D. 4D. So this is a a similar but different type of ride. Uh, The premise on this one is that we are visiting uh, a space station. I think it was Copernicus. Copernicus station. Way out. In the middle of nowhere, right? Isn't that what they said? Okay. <laughs> and um, <laughs> the, you're greeted, there's another um, Starfleet person there, and you're greeted by a video of um, the EMH, the doctor from Voyager, Picardo, Robert Picardo, who is totally <laughs> over the top. We were saying afterwards that, you know, when they make these little films for the rides, you can imagine the director going, you know what, Picardo, just go crazy. Do whatever you want to. I don't care. He was so, woo! <laughs> I said it was like it was being played by Tony Randall all hopped up on something. It's true. It was. Um, so the the thing is supposed to be that as, as the group came in, the scientific scanners found out that some people have these antibodies in their blood that would help protect people from being assimilated by the Borg. So they want to do some testing. But before any of this can happen, the Borg actually attack. If they show up and they, they want to They show up and they want to assimilate us. So um, there's the same sort of like being hustled from place to place. And you go through one section of the corridor where there's um, destruction, which actually looked pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And there's a dead guy, Lieutenant Deadman, as they call him. Yep. <laughs> Not in the ride, but no, we backstage later, they call yeah, him Ensign yeah. Deadman. And in the ride, he's yeah. Ensign somebody else. Somebody else. else. And then um, you, you come to a part and there's a, another lieutenant person who is trying to get the doors open to help you through. And... Um, this whole time the Borg are attacking, so the red alert's going off, and there's smoke and explosions and stuff like that. And as she's trying to get you, all of us through this door, this Borg hand reaches down and grabs her by the scruff of her neck and hauls her up through the ceiling. And we hear her screaming. Right. Really cool. That was cool. That was very cool. So then um, for this one, you end up going into a much larger theater. Mm-hmm. And everybody sits down. So there must have been like like 50 people. 50 or more. Yeah. It was much better. Uh, so you, you get some safety goggles as you go in, a.k.a. 3D, 3D glasses. glasses. <laughs> and you sit down and, um, again, it, it's supposed to be like you're on a craft. 
and you're trying to escape from the station, and um, the film plays out, and you're on this ship that goes into the Borg cube, Mm -hmm. and then there's a battle with the Borg, and you are um, attempted to to be assimilated with the Borg. And this was the sex toy part of the ride. (laughs) Because... (laughs) Because these the, 3D effects were incredible. They were great. But you see the little things. Actually, okay, backing up. It, this is also a Galaxy Quest part of the ride. Because when the little things were flying at us, and going, uh-huh. it just reminded me so much of when they beam into the ship on Galaxy Cl- uh, Quest. And all those aliens show up wanting to examine oh, those yes. things. And one of them was... That's a speculum. The speculum. <laughs> yes. It was like that. But they're coming at you, you know, towards your face. And then you feel yourself getting poked in the back. Yeah. But then you get poked in the butt. Yeah, it was like a butt massage. Uh, yeah, but it was good. I liked being so assimilated. They were like very, very comfortable. When you sat down and they were like very, very comfortable theater seats, but they turned out to be like animatronic seats that moved mm-hmm. underneath you. And there were also little things by the head that would spray like mist or, or air or stuff to mm-hmm. simulate like those steamy things that they right. show in the board ships. Um, so... That was pretty cool. In fact, the very the thing that happened right at the very beginning, I thought was actually one of the best effects. So you're you're seeing a very small screen up on mm-hmm. the big screen with your 3D glasses on, and that's supposed to be the front uh, window of the craft that you're mm-hmm. on. And then the Borgs start attacking you, and the front window blows up. Mm-hmm. So then it becomes the whole size of the screen, and the screen is huge. Yes, and it's got all those jagged edges around it, mm-hmm. and that was pretty. Like that was a neat effect. I thought right. that was a good way to get you to the full screen without it being very artificial. Um, so the 3D effects were great. Right. I, I was really impressed with the fact that they managed to make 3D effects that um, basically looked like they were hovering a couple inches in front of your face. Yes. And they were in focus. And the Borg Queen looked like she was looking at you. Yes. That which was, was the that effect was that everybody really in the audience great. had. That was cool. Yes. That was very cool. And then we're, we're rescued by Voyager. Yeah. And when they said, oh, it's Voyager, I went, oh, not those losers. <laughs> Couldn't help it. But it was Admiral Janeway, so it was oh, yeah. after they'd returned from right, right. wherever they were. Big uh, deal. Big deal. And so they actually show um, Janeway, who does a little speech. Who could barely bring herself to do her speech. Yeah, I was so like... So completely s- disengaged. Just not happy at all, and the Borg Queen gets blown up, assuming mm-hmm. that that happened. And the cube gets blown up, and we all get back, and the doctor's all happy about it. And we're all happy. And we're all happy about it. So it wasn't a rockin' and rollin' ride like the clean Right, and I was going to say that for... Quote unquote realism, the Klingon ride is much more so because, as cool as the 3D effects were, I never lost the awareness that I was in a theater watching yeah. something. Whereas you really, in the Klingon one, feel like things are happening oh. all around you. Yeah, you definitely get more engaged in the ride. Right. Yeah. Um, so, the, the thing that I was a little bit disappointed with on both of them is that once the ride is over, and you leave, you know, they're like, okay, goodbye, thanks, and you're out, and it looks like you're in the service corridor. Yeah. Suddenly, it's not decorated like Starfleet anymore. It's white linoleum. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, okay, time to leave now. Don't step on the garbage bags on your way (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) But so then we went and had lunch at At Quark's. Quark's. Mm -hmm. Very good lunch. It was great, and we had silly drinks. Oh, really silly drinks. They all and <laughs> this was probably one of the most fun parts of the day was the drinks had really silly names yes. like James T. Kirk, and T was spelled T E A, yeah. and it turned out that was like a Long Island iced tea. Yeah. And I had a um, a Risa Colada, uh-huh. which is very good without the blue curacao. Right, took that out, and I had a um, pattern buffer. Right, <laughs> which was uh, something with coconut rum in it. 
and other things, and, it, and served in a giant Pilsner glass. Right. And it was very good. So we got into sort of playing a little game at the table that I think we're going to save for another show because uh, we want to do a whole big deal right. on it. But um, it, the food was was good? Yeah, the service was nice. Yep. Uh, it, there, it was an interesting place to be sitting. I mean, it doesn't really look like Corks in the Promenade, but it's nice. You know, they do a good job. Mm-hmm. They have... Um, you can still hear the videos playing and the music. And down in the pit, they were actually showing the motion, Star Trek The Motion Picture, mm-hmm. which you could kind of hear things from once in a while. So right. There's still a lot of audiovisual stimulation happening. And there were people in character, in costume, walking around who would stop to chat occasionally. Oh, and we have to talk about when we first walked into the restaurant and the woman was seating us, there was an empty booth. There were a couple of empty yeah. booths. And she takes us to a table, which always yeah. pisses me off. So I said, can we sit in a booth? You know, so she turns around and takes us back. And we were wearing... I look at his butt t-shirts. Of course we were. And we pass the table, and some woman reads one of our chests and goes, look at his butt. <laughs> and we're like, yeah. That's what it says. Read it and wait. <laughs> so, let's see. So, we had a really nice lunch, um, and we were watching people drinking the giant uh, chair drink, which is called a... Is it a, a warp, warp core? core? Was one of them. There yeah. were a couple that were shared drinks. They were twenty five dollars a piece, and they were like bowling balls cut in half, filled with booze. Bigger, bigger than that, and many straws stuck in them. Uh, I think it was a warp core breach. Actually, was yeah. that particular yeah. drink? Um, and and what else happened while we were there? Well, we just had a good time. Oh, and we were just taking pictures galore. We took a picture of the menu. We took a picture of you know mm-hmm. everything, and all the food has silly names. Yes. Um, all the drinks. I had names. a wrap of con, <laughs> and I had a, um, a hamburger. <laughs> <laughs> and wait for dessert. Oh, for we dessert. had Garrett Mitchell's oh. favorite, Kafarian apple crisp. It was so good. Oh, it was ice cream with apple, like apple pie. And I had to laugh because for like three or four years, it'll never be finished. But I've been working on a story which does feature Kafarian apple pie. Yeah. So that was really fun. It was. It was great. Um, okay, so then after that, we had to take a little break. Yes. We went to the pool and had a little sun. Yes. Um, so when we came back, we had signed up for the backstage tour, which was separate. You have to pay separately mm-hmm. for that, but it wasn't that expensive. No. And uh, they only do that four times a day. So you go there, and um, you, you get in a group, and there were 19 people in the group, I think. Something like something that, like that. Yeah. And you get um, a little radio receiver and little earphones that you put on, and the, the tour leader has a little microphone, so she doesn't have to shout, which is mm-hmm. great. I actually thought that was really, really good. Well, and it was really good because as you're touring the backstage, the rides are going on, and yeah. that was part of it was, you know, you didn't want them to hear you. You didn't want to run into them. Mm-hmm. And so she wanted to be able to speak in a normal tone. Right. And so that you could hear everything she was saying, including mm-hmm. don't touch this. You have to walk here. <laughs> stay in line. Stay together. Don't yes. go down that corridor. Very important that you follow all the rules. So um, the tour guide was very nice. Her name was Emily. Her name was Emily. And, and she was very friendly and, and pretty knowledgeable about mm-hmm. Trek. So um, let's see. I'm trying to remember where we went first. Well, she took us through the museum and was oh, right. explaining That's to right. us yes. about that mm-hmm. and, um, you know, how, how the updates they had to do when Enterprise came on in yeah. the last two movies. And that's where we found out these were all genuine props and yeah. costumes that we were seeing behind glass. Right. Um, and we got to go, uh, she told us about the um, the photon torpedo pod that's there, which is apparently the one that they used. Right, it's Fox Coffin. Yeah. So, um, and we had already figured that out, but yeah. that was fun. Yeah, so that was cool. Um, and then you get to go into the backstage area and see 
lots of different things. And of course, as we were about to go in, they were saying, you know, now you're going to get to see all the backstage stuff. So please don't tell anybody what all this stuff is. So now we're doing a podcast because. But they won't know. They won't know. They won't know it's us. No, of course not. Um, so what was the order of the things that we did? Do you remember? <sighs> well, I know we went through um, like a costume shop where there were tons of costumes right. hanging up. Yeah, we saw the costumes. And um, we got to go on the bridge. We got to go on the bridge and spend quite a bit of time on the bridge. And yeah. it was really fun that you could you could sit down and, and, uh, and you could, you know, it touched things and everything. But the one place you could not sit was... Wesley Crusher's yes. station, because as she explained to us, so many of the effects are actually done by the actors mm-hmm. hitting the right button, flipping the right switch, and the buttons at Wesley Station, who's you know known as such a, a weenie and a wanker, it's ironic to me that those are the buttons that actually work. Yes, so you and so sit you there. couldn't sit there, you couldn't play with those, but you know you could sit in all the other right. places. So we got to go through some of the areas that you go through when you're on the ride, but at a much slower pace, and you can sort of look around and touch things, although... And see you, how things are done. You're not supposed to press any buttons, and you're really not supposed to be touching that much stuff. Mm-hmm. Of course, I was looking at touching and pressing everything I could get my hands because on. Because that's, that's just the way I am. And I was saying to, to JK, after we get out of that, that was like the greatest thing in the world. I could probably spend a week mm-hmm. just going through and looking at every single thing in there and touching everything and reading every little label. Because the attention to detail that are, that's put into that is incredible. Well, and the other amazing thing is it's not that long since we were on the actual set that's yeah. in that museum when we were in Hollywood, at yeah. Shatner Weekend. And you had pointed out to me all the little labels have jokes on them uh-huh. and the abbreviations of the actors' names and crew names and everything are on the buttons just because you can't read them from home and they yeah. wanted to put something there. And they actually reproduce that yeah. on all these wall segments and, and the buttons. And the other thing is you're walking around the bridge and there's doors, you know, marked ready room and marked this. And there was one sort of around a corner and it's marked head. So now we know where it is. Everybody saw this. Well, where's the bathroom out there? Press. Now there it is. Now we know where There's it only is. one, but. Yeah. But uh, it was just so cool. I mean, they do such a job that it really makes you feel like you're on the ship. When you're mm-hmm. walking through the corridors and you go through these little rooms and, like, the turbo lifts, it really feels like you're on a ship. Mm-hmm. You don't think you're in a casino in Las Vegas. No. It was just amazing. Right. And and this time, so, you know, we were on the bridge in between rides, but they still have all the sound effects playing. Right. So you're you're hearing the sounds that you hear like when you're watching mm-hmm. it on TV, and of course, you know, part of your brain is going, now when the actors were on the set, they didn't have all these noises, you know, right. they heard their feet clunking on the plywood. And it was very interesting to me, I kept asking her questions about the actors yeah. playing these roles, because, you know, that's, mm-hmm. that's sort of my shtick, and she was telling us, when people audition, they bring them onto the bridge, and they have all the noises playing, and some people say, can you turn that off, because I really can't focus, and of course, those people do not get the job, right. but um, they really do... Study Star Trek. The ones who play Klingons actually learn the Klingon language, mm-hmm. and um, the people playing Ferengi learn all the rules of acquisition. And they all make up their own character names and develop their own backstories. Yeah. So if you engage them in conversation, they can tell you yeah. about you know what their Klingon name is. And I mean, they're playing the Klingon. They're not saying yeah. my Klingon name, but yeah. their whole story and where they came from and yeah. and all of that. So it's it's a it's a true improv challenge. It is. And it was just so cool to, to be walking around in something that's so painstakingly, painstakingly recreated, something that never existed in that form, right? Mm-hmm. And she was saying that in the corridors that we were walking down, they were built to scale. Right. So if there was a ship, 
this would fit exactly in a ship of the size that the Enterprise D was supposed to be. Right. Which is just amazing to me that they, they went to that trouble. So. Well, the other thing she pointed out, which I thought was a great great factoid, was she was telling us how many movies there were, how many episodes, and that this is the longest-running thing in the franchise yeah. because of the number of, quote-unquote, shows, shows. Yeah. they have done. It's amazing. And it cost, what did she say, $70 million? $70 million. To build, to build this. And to five years, design. I think. And... Originally, it was five years to design and create, and originally there were the Klingon ride went twice. Right. I mean, there were two separate mm-hmm. ones, and then was it two thousand one? She think said so, that yeah. they 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 changed one into this the Borg thing. Board so thing. now there's the two separate yeah. rides, and that one was developed a lot faster. Mm-hmm. But there's there's a lot fewer moving parts to fewer, that. Yeah, it's just, I think all the the design went into the three D movie that they mm-hmm. had to do. All the technology went into that. Right. Right. Um, so let's see. So we spent quite a bit of time on the bridge. I mean, I thought that was a good chunk of time. And it no, was. They just let us walk around and touch things and mm-hmm. sit on things and, you know, run your hands over all the panels and look in every nook and cranny. Yep. That was so cool. Just so cool to explore it mm-hmm. like that. Um, and then we got to walk through some more backstage areas to see um, the makeup room where, where mm-hmm. the actors do their makeup um, and kind of the, you know, the office that's right. back there where everybody does all their business and everything. And then we got to go um, see how they do the shuttle movement for the Klingon ride. So you get to walk into this area that's underneath it. So you're looking up and mm-hmm. it's, the shuttle's probably, I don't know, 20 feet above your head or something. And the screen is in back of, and, and above you because it's a huge, huge curved screen that goes right. all the way up onto the roof. Um, and then they ran the ride for a little bit while we were standing there. So you could actually see the hydraulics moving the shuttle, which is very impressive. And all I could think, and of course we were with the crowd of mundane, so I didn't uh-huh. dare voice this, but all I could think was, that's fucking technology. <laughs> it was amazing. It is. So they were explaining, you know, like how much this stuff weighs and how many pounds of pressure that's needed to move it around and how they had to... How there was a hole in the roof, and that was how they got all the hydraulics in, you know, because they couldn't have put I mean, any other ways. Mm-hmm. There's a hole in the roof. They lower them down and all that stuff. It was just really very, very right. cool. And, um, and stressing all the safety stuff mm-hmm. so that, you know, they can stop the ride from any place in case something goes wrong. So it's all very safe. One of the things I thought was interesting was while you're on the Enterprise and going down these halls, there are exit signs, Mm -hmm. which you never saw on the Enterprise. And she explained that, of course, you know, safety regulations require that there be exit signs. But the city of Las Las Vegas worked with them to develop these exit signs that look like they'd be in the 23rd century. Yeah, they're pretty good. Yeah, so that was really cool. Yeah. Um, Speaking of attention to detail, I I just thought this was wonderful. When you're in, I know I'm jumping ahead, when you're in the the shopping area, the the gift shop or Mm -hmm. whatever, I noticed that on the end of the hanging racks, the thing that keeps all the hangers from falling off onto the floor, instead of just being a ball or something, is the Starfleet Delta. (laughs) And I thought that was great. And uh, when I went to go to the ladies' room, we were having dinner or lunch, I come around the corner, and there's the men's room and the ladies' Mm -hmm. room. But they have, like, the Starfleet Mm -hmm. version of the men and women logos, if there were such things. And, of course, we got pictures of all that. We took pictures of everything. It was great. Um, let's see. So most of the backstage tour focused on the Klingon portion of it, and then we really didn't get to find out too much about the Borg thing. Like, they didn't talk about the three-day technology or anything or the animatronic seats. Mm-hmm. We didn't cover any of that. Right. Um, so I kind of feel like they, they did not ups, um, update the backstage tour. Yeah, I think that's probably right. true. Yeah. 
But, um, yeah, it was cool to see all that stuff. And, you know, they told us how they kept in a lot of the jokes, like the little labels Mm -hmm. on things that we had noticed. And then the the pipes that are labeled, go nowhere, do nothing. Right. Um, all, All the things that were important on the show, even though you never actually saw them on TV or they were never right. public jokes. They kept all of that intact. So do you want to talk about Will Wheaton's thing? Yeah. Um, I, I don't have it with me. I'll try to find the link because I'm pretty sure this was excerpted online. But um, in one of his books, Will Wheaton wrote a great story about going to the Star Trek experience. And this was a while ago, and it might have been before they put the Borg thing in. I think he was one of the actors invited to be there when it opened, or for one of the anniversary I think things, it was one of the things you could pay a shitload of money for yeah. was to do the ride with, with the actors. That's right. It wasn't when it people. opened. It was more recently than that. Yeah. Um, so he wrote about what it was like to see all this stuff, to see the museum stuff, which he, he was a Star Trek geek anyway, so he's fascinated with all that stuff, but to actually step onto the bridge of the Enterprise and have it be whole as opposed to the set in pieces that he was used to, and that it was a completely weird experience for him, and it really felt like he was on the Enterprise, and he said it was such a mix of emotions mm-hmm. for him, and it, because he still had at that time, you know, kind of a bad resonance for Star Trek, because mm-hmm. people hated Wesley so much, and the way that they got him off the show was not so nice. And Actually, he said going and seeing this and, and understanding the... Um, the joy and the wonder that it brings helped him. It was a very cathartic experience. Right. And helped him get over all that and come back to the reason why Star Trek is so special. So I, if I can find that, I would link to it. But um, if it's not still available online, I still encourage people to go and buy his book. It's called mm-hmm. Just a Geek, and it had that and other really good stories in it. Well, and the tour guide told us a great story about when the actors did it. That <laughs> <laughs> Martinez, is that her name, Marina? Marina. Or Mar- Marina Sirtis was pretty drunk. And uh, and she went to to sit in her old counselor's chair, which they wouldn't let her do because you know these buttons and everything. So I want you to do your impression. <laughs> well, I was just thinking, you know, there she is, kind of reeling around the bridge, going, "Come on, let me sit in my seat. I'm a counselor." <laughs> Damn it! So then, of course, we we ran back and went through the museum in mm-hmm. detail, and they have one of Kirk's wraparound shirts. And this shirt is so excited that it was worn by Kirk that, Kirk that it still has hard nipples. It does. And I managed, this is, I don't know, the gods of the universe smiling at us because we're the butt girls uh-huh. and, and we have this podcast. I looked very closely and this these trousers do not have bulge. They do not have Kirk package. But I swear in every picture I took of that costume, it's showing package. It does. It looks like it's got It did it for us. Right there. It's amazing. And they have a, a, a Lirpa, and we're both like, oh, it's, it's a Lirpa. Lirpa. <laughs> yeah. Not the on wound, but the And Lirpa. they had... Um, an agonizer. An agonizer. And we're, you know, doing the best we can with pictures on, on Just that peeking stuff. out over all the little things. They have communicators. They had Ohura's earpiece. They had um, the medical instruments, McCoy's little scanner thing that spins around with the pretty lights. They had the phaser rifle from where no man. Mm-hmm. They just they had, had the Spock's brain thing. <laughs> the thing that kept him going. They, yeah. Oh, it was it was amazing. It was great. But then towards the very end, we're going through this part now fast because it's Voyager yeah. stuff and everything. We're like, what the fuck is this? This little tiny gold sparkly baby shoes. Uh-huh. Like what a baby stripper would wear, uh-huh. you know. And there's some white cloth next to it which is big tacky gaudy star trek emblem starfleet emblem and what the fuck is this so we read it and it's tom paris's baby shoes and diaper yep baby paris (laughs) 
Oh, God. And, boy, did we take pictures of that. We did, especially for Helmboy, our friend, because she's obsessed with Dumb Tom. So, uh, yeah, that was pretty weird. That was pretty darn weird. And the nice thing about the museum part is you can go through it, you know, as much as you want and slow at your own pace and read all the different things. Also, by the restroom, they have, uh, did we talk about this, a statue of... The Gorn uh-huh. and a statue of the the, the salt, salt vampire. Yeah, so we took pictures. Of we those. took pictures of those. Lots of pictures. They have other things. They have a big cardboard O'Brien and a big cardboard Soren. And yes. uh, was there another big cardboard? No, it's not Soren. He's Lord of the Rings. It's um, what's his name then? Oh, it is, it is Soren. It's S O R E N. It's A N. Yeah. It's Malcolm McDowell looking but it's like not Sting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I think they had a, a cardboard. Um, Guy from Voyager, what was the alien's name? The cook guy. Neelix. Neelix. They had a cardboard Neelix. Right. But no big cardboard Riker, very disappointing. No, no, no big cardboard Kirk. No, and they had some other things. They had a couple of um, statues dressed like Ferengi. They were in cases, and I think they were wearing clothes from the series. Mm-hmm. Like they were more actual. And when costumes. I first saw the Ferengi in the case, mm-hmm. I was sort of coming around a corner, and I was thinking... Is this like a fortune-telling machine? You know, because we saw one of those on the strip the yeah. night before. That would have been good, a fortune-telling Ferengi. You know, the problem with the Ferengi things is that they're too big. Mm-hmm. You know, like in the case, it looked as tall as I was, and Ferengi are not supposed to be as right, tall as I right. am. Right, right. So that was like a little weird. They should have made it smaller, mm-hmm. more, more to size. Um so let's see. Uh, the backstage tour was about an hour and some. It was yeah, a little now. over. Yeah. It was great. Yeah, and the, the the guide answered lots of questions, and um, we got to see all this cool stuff. And uh, then at the very end, we got led through um, the the shop again to a room that we had wondered about. And we're thinking, what's in there? It's a special room with a curtain across the front. So we go in, and it turns out that um, there's a big book that you get to sign when you've done the backstage tour. And we signed it, and we wrote, look at his butt in the book. <laughs> so if you ever go to Las Vegas and do it, and you can look, because it'll be in one of the more recent pages as of now, which is beginning of November 2006, and you will see our signatures. Right, and we also got certificates saying we knew the secrets of the future. That's right. So we have, we'll scan one of those in right. and put it up so you can see what it looks like. And then we went and did the shop, yeah. and I'm very proud. I bought nothing, because they do have crap, but none of it is... As, as funny, fascinating, or crappy crap as what I've got at home. That's true. That's true. We but did. you did buy Well, it. the thing that I really, I, that just caught my eye and I had to have it, um, was pretty cheesy, I think, on a scale of cheesiness. Um, and it was a, um, a package for Starfleet Academy cadets. So what you get in this little package is a notebook, a, an official Starfleet Academy notebook. You get a clear plastic ruler. You get a pen and a pencil. They all say Starfleet <laughs> Academy on them. So as a cadet starting there, you know, you're set when you have this little packet of stuff. Right. It comes, in a nice plastic, it comes in a nice plastic bag. and I just thought that was cute. So <laughs> I bought it. It was. So we were so happy. So we both feel that this was absolutely worth it. Totally. And um, I encourage Trekkies to go do this because, like I, I said, the whole thing is fun and it's interesting, and it is not cheesy. It is done to such a professional, high-quality level. The commitment of the actors. I mean, she yeah. was telling us they're all total Trek geeks. Yeah. They watch it backstage. They, they have it running. They get paid to watch it. <laughs> yeah, they get paid to watch it. When you get the job, you have to watch hours and hours and hours of it. Um, and, you know, like you were saying, the, the, the structure they've built and everything, it's, it's not in the least bit cheesy. No. But to me, that whole thing, when you actually walk on board the Enterprise, walk onto the bridge, yeah. It's, and, and it's never the case where 
you can look at a wall and see the cracks and see the lights yes. behind it. That never happens. Right. I don't think that happened once. I mean, I was looking because that's the kind of thing I, I notice. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, oh, the seam wasn't joined very well. Oh, look, you can see the hole in the wall where the electrical cord goes through. Right. Like, you can't see any None of, that of that stuff. And the other thing is when you first come into this this whole area where you buy your ticket and everything, hanging from the ceiling are, are these, these huge starships. Mm-hmm. And it reminded me so much of the Air and Space Museum in Washington, yes. D.C., and it really just does set it up. You've got the star field behind these ships. Yeah. It really sets it up as, yes, you are going to the Museum of the Future. It is. Well, it's just like, you know, the, the Star Trek chronologies. It says on the front, the history of the future. And, and that's what it says on the, the books yeah. as well. So it's, it's very much in that spirit. And mm-hmm. they said that they had a total cooperation from Paramount and from the people who worked on the show, you know, from the, the people who wrote the books and did the technical design. So And Paramount has actually borrowed some of those props yeah. Costumes back from them to reuse occasionally. Yeah, so it, it's just top quality work all around. Mm-hmm. Really, really good. And oh god, it was great. I, that backstage tour thing. I swear, I could just do that forever. <laughs> <laughs> I was so geeking out on yep. all this stuff. It yep. was just great. I'll say the one thing that was not effective, and I really think they shouldn't do it because it's not effective. Mm-hmm. Is you've gone through this whole thing that is so realistic and so cool. And then you're sitting in the bar, and a Borg comes up to you. Yes. And all the Borg can do is shine a light in your eyes. Yeah. You know, so that, that kind of kills it. I mean, you know, a Vulcan spoke to us, and there were Ferengi around, and, and people like that. And they can all stay in character and, yeah. and, and be what they are. But, you know, unless a Borg assimilates you, it's broken the reality. I, I agree with that. Um, they apparently have people dressed as different aliens, and they do have people dressed as Andorians, although we didn't see no, one today. No, we didn't today. see any. And I think it would have been better, um, rather than a Borg, to have people who were more... Actually, people that... People. Species <laughs> that you would most likely see on Deep Space Nine, because Deep Space yeah. Nine was supposed to be a space station where and everybody is, was there. And they could have selected from such a wide range of other... A Cardassian. Yeah, they could have had Cardassians. They could have had, you know, Morn, whatever he was. I forget what kind of species he was. <laughs> trills. They could have had trills. Mm-hmm. They could have had lots of different people, but right. you know, they had to do a board. I guess that's the, like the big costume thing because you get to dress up. Right, right. A lot of people were having their picture taken. Oh yeah, that's another board. thing you can do is have your picture taken on the bridge and um, have your picture taken being assimilated. And another thing you could do is have a picture taken where they then take your head and, and Photoshop it into yeah. a picture with the the bridge crew. And we kind of felt like okay. We did that without paying for it when we did the museum yeah. in Los Angeles where we just sat down in the chair and took each other's picture, you right, know, so yeah. that was, you know, um, we didn't bother doing that. And, and you can get your picture, you can take a picture with any of the actors who are there mm-hmm. for free. They'll pose with anybody, which right. is nice that you can just do that. And we did manage to talk to a few people and hand out some look at his butt yeah, cards, so, so that, that was, was good. good. People were looking at our shirts. Mm-hmm. That was good. So I just had a great time, and I would definitely do it again if I had the opportunity. I'd especially like to do it with somebody else who is a Trek fan. Oh, <laughs> I thought you meant no. other than me. No, no, I was no. such a drag. No, I, I think it would be fun for us to go with, with our other Trek friends mm-hmm. or, or people who um, know about Trek. I think it might be a little hard for somebody who's not really a fan. You know, it would probably be fun, but not nearly as much fun as no. if you were really a fan of the no. show. Yeah. No, And I would say that the people who were there today... We're sort of divided between hardcore fans and people who seem to know something about the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I was saying that one of the funniest things um, was as we were... So when you're on, in the ride, they get you moving from place to place, 
pretty quickly because obviously they got to get the ride over and get the next group of people in. But since it's part of the plot, it doesn't seem artificial like they're hurting you from mm-hmm. place to place. But as we had to run from one place to another with the red alert thing blaring and all that, and, the, and our lieutenant is like, you got to go, you got to go because the Klingons are after us and we got to get out of here. There was an English couple in front of me and then the man was sort of pressing his wife on and saying, hurry, hurry, or we'll miss the bus. <laughs> It was. It was. That was really amusing. It was a lot of fun. And everybody was enjoying it. I have to yes. say, people were cheering and having laughing and having a good time. It was all very good feelings. Yes. Yeah. And the other thing is, um, you have to be at least forty-two inches tall to do this. So there aren't little kids on right. these rides yeah. or, or in any of that. So it's a, a teenager and up yeah. thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that that was good, and it. You know, because it's a fairly long thing, it's not like there are drunk people there who are going to spoil your good time. Or throw up during the Or throw up during the ride. And, you know, it's a fairly expensive sort of thing, so you're not going to get people paying all that money to do it casually Mm -hmm. and then complain the whole time because you paid a bunch of money to go and have this experience. So, you know, you better be somewhat interested in it, not just do it. Because you have nothing better to do. Now, one of the things I meant to ask our guide, and I didn't, and she probably would have just um, sidestepped the question anyway, is is there any truth to the rumors that brought us here that it's going to close at the end of the year? But, I don't know, they seem to be doing a pretty good business. There were people there all day. Yeah. There were lines. You know, what would they replace it with? (sighs) I don't know. I mean, this costs so much money, and they're making money doing it. They must make money. I mean, once the thing is built... It can't cost all that much to run it. Well, like we were saying, the maintenance on that shuttlecraft has to be amazingly high. Yeah. But they pay the actors nothing. Mm-hmm. And the museum costs nothing once it's all set up, right? So right. people come through and But, again, it. there's that commitment that they do keep it updated. So yeah. if there is another Trek movie, mm-hmm. they're going to have to They're going to have to update it again. That. Especially if it's an earlier one, and then they're going to have to shift everything to the right mm-hmm. again. <laughs> So, I, I don't know, it didn't seem like it was in any danger of closing yeah. to me. It's interesting to me, too, that now, within one year, we've been to two Star Trek museums, or at least museums yeah. that had um, a substantial part of Star Trek to them. Yeah. I have to say, the stuff at this museum was in much better shape than the stuff that we saw at the, the Hollywood Museum mm-hmm. because of the costumes and things that they had in their cases. They just didn't seem to be very well preserved. Right. They looked kind of dusty. There were some things that looked like they were falling apart. Mm-hmm. And just about everything that we saw um, in the glass cases here today looked pretty good, Yes, I would say. Yeah. I, I noticed that on the McCoy thing, the little medical scanner, the thing that spins around, uh-huh. the outside of it um, had... Uh, like rubber, like not foam rubber, but mm-hmm. kind of sticky rubber, which would I guess be for when DeForest Kelly picked it up so he wouldn't drop it. Yeah. And you could see that that was starting to deteriorate and come apart, as it would for something that's mm-hmm. 40 years old. So that said to me, oh, this really is a prop. Like, right. Because the rubber's coming off and they can't really do anything to fix that. So that was that interested me to see that. Mm-hmm. And then to see the nipples on the Kirk shirt. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh. Oh, so nice. But I don't think those trousers were his trousers. I don't think so either. They they were the wrong wrong cut, wrong cut and everything. Yeah. And the wrong boots. The boots were not. Right. Because the heels were too low. Right. And they had rounded toes, not pointy toes. They also had one of his uniforms from one of the movies. Yeah. Um, it was two. I, I did not notice, but I didn't see any of his toupees. No. I don't think they had it. I didn't see any Spock ears either. No. No, see, it wasn't a museum of props as much as a museum of artifacts. You yeah. are so right. Yeah. So that was 
you know? Mm-hmm. Like, these are important artifacts from... There was, a, you know, like a 3D chess game. Right. They had some stuff from Rurapente. They had the, oh, yeah. the breathing masks and some chains and things mm-hmm. like that. That was very cool. A lot of interesting things. Yes. They had um, clothes that Sarek and Amanda had worn. And the, the Sarek mannequin actually looked like Sarek. Now we're so zoned, we're just staring at each other. We're like, what else did we see? We saw all kinds of things. We saw and did so many things, and I know for for several podcasts to come, we'll be going, oh, I remember this, remember that. that. Um, I I just wanted to mention one thing. The risk is our business thing, playing over and over again, and we were laughing about it every single time, and we were remembering how funny that speech is in Free Enterprise when Eric McCormack does it, yes. sort of word for word and beat for beat. It's and, so good. and all of the pauses, so the rhythms, good. everything. And, and I was thinking, you know, one of the reasons why that speech is so good and why it wouldn't have worked coming from any other character, like you can't imagine any other captain delivering that speech. Like Picard would never say anything like that. Mm-mm. Janeway wouldn't say anything like that. And partly it's because risk is our business is kind of Bill's motto for living. That's right. It totally applies to him. Mm-hmm. He's always out there risking it. And <laughs> as you were saying, he's always risking his life playing paintball. <laughs> <laughs> he's putting it on the line every day. Yep. Bill. His, with his horses and his game show so, and his direct TV commercial. And, and records and just everything. There should be a museum of Bill. Oh. A cha- the Bill Channel Museum of Bill. We can do it. What? William Shatner, the ride. <laughs> <gasps> well, you were asking where the the museum or exhibit about how many women Captain Kirk has bonked is. And we were, I didn't ask anyone official, just no, you. But but yeah, I mean that would be a separate like hollow suite sort of thing. <laughs> we also found two postcards. Um, that apparently were two of a series, The Women of Trek. And it was almost like Playboy it things. Was. Except, <laughs> yeah, because it listed their turn ons and turn offs. And so there was Edith Keeler. And one of her turn offs was trucks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> and her turn ons were social work. Worker, yeah. <laughs> Hot captains from the 23rd century. No, that wasn't one. I one know, but it should have been. It should have been. It should have been. So, so it, this was this was just like geek wonderland, oh, wasn't it? Was it was great. It was really great. I, I was kind of looking, and I, I saw some people who were geeking out. Um, everybody who was there seemed to be digging it, for mm-hmm. sure. Uh, they had, when we were taking the tour, uh, the guide was asking us a few trivia questions, one of which we were totally blown away by. So... She, she asked us, who was the oldest surviving cast member from the original series? And we were like, Shatner. Because he's a couple days older than Nimoy. Right. And we were t- confident that that was the answer. But no, it's not the answer. Do you know the Do answer? Do you know the answer? Because we didn't. We were just like, it's not? Who else could it be? It's that hag. <laughs> Grace Lee Whitney. She's a year older. No, a week. A week? A week older. Are you sure? Yes, that's what she was saying. She's a week older. I? She said a week older than Shatner and Nimoy, who are, you know, their birthdays are like three or four days No, apart. I thought she said it was like a year and a week. Oh, okay. Have it your uh, way. We should, no, we should look it up. Now, the other thing that we were wondering after we finished dinner was, can Grace Lee Whitney really be older than Majel? I know. That seems impossible to me. But you know what? Yes. Does Major really count? Because <laughs> oh, 
when they said Rand or Grace uh-huh. Lee Whitney, I went, she doesn't count. So That was my feeling. Okay, so Grace Lee Whitney counts as much as Majel counts. And if neither of them no. count, then, then they, you know. It's kind of a moot question. It is, yeah. <laughs> so so if you don't count either of those, then I think Shatner is, is the oldest. Yes, because yeah. because Dewan and uh, DeForest Kelly, who are both dead, right, they were older. Right, but um, he is uh, uh, slightly older yeah. than Leonard. Which I've heard Leonard makes very funny jokes about at cons oh, about yeah. well, you know, poor Billy's so old. <laughs> well, we we'll have to check up on the whole Grace Lee Whitney Majel thing. Yeah. Cause now I really am, my curiosity is somewhat piqued by this. Yeah, assuming that the correct birth dates are to be found. Somewhere. Somewhere. Yeah, yeah, somebody will know that. So that was totally, I didn't know that at all. Mm-hmm. Um, what were some of the other trivia questions? Who well, who's the it? youngest? Right. Which was uh, George Takei. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we, were, we were waiting to go, to go in the ride the first time we were behind these two guys, and these trivia questions were coming out of screen like uh-huh. Jeopardy. And the first one they were, were stupid questions. It, really stupid. What does the T stand for in James T. Kirk? And their answers were, you know, Thomas, Tiberius, and Timothy or something. And I went, Tomcat! And the guys laughed really hard. They thought that was really funny. And it should have been one of the choices. Definitely, yeah. Yeah. So um, I'm just trying to remember. I think she asked us one more interesting trivia question. Well, most of the other trivia questions were not about TOS. That's true. And so I was like... Whatever. I don't know. I, I don't care. Oh well, some of the others in the in the little game thing was what was the the name the whoever's gave to um... Cisco. Cisco. Right. And my answer, which again the guys in front of us really enjoyed, was other bald guy, <laughs> which would have been the correct answer. Yes. So. Um... Yep, that that was pretty good. I wish there had been a little more trivia stuff because that was actually pretty. That was fun, fun to do that. Yeah. Oh my goodness, what a day! I know it's just it has been jam packed oh, with trek trekkie goodness with trekkie goodness. goodness and uh, and we we're both commenting about one of the benefits of the podcast for us is when we go do these things now. First of all, we're doing them because of the podcast to a great extent, but it also makes us really focused when we do it, and mm-hmm. also more out there as far as talking to people mm-hmm. and sort of investigating and finding out, oh, what's this? What's this? Who are you? You know, mm-hmm. so it, it's brought a whole new dimension to Trectum, I think, for us. It has. So we hope you enjoyed hearing about this. Um, again, we'd love to hear more stories from people who have done it. And if you're planning on going, please let us know. Mm-hmm. Maybe we can give you some little tips and, and things. Um, we're going to put most of the pictures that we've t- taken up on Flickr, but we're also going to make a slideshow and put that up on YouTube with some suitable musical accompaniment. Right. <laughs> Because we did take a hell of a lot of pictures. And, and they're pictures in our classic tradition yeah, I, of take my picture by it. Yeah, and pictures of food and our feet. And <laughs> well, like, that was one of the fun things. The food came, our, our, our dessert was on a Starfleet-shaped yeah. plate, and I was really stunned that you could not buy those plates in the store. Nor, nor the menu. I really wanted a copy of the menu, although I did steal a copy of the drink list. So oh, good, I have, good. I'll scan that, and everybody can have a look at that. Okay. Yeah, but Star Trek experience, big thumbs up. Oh, yes. Us. Definitely. So um, we'll be back with uh, something else at some time. I don't know. I think we're going to be like totally freaked for a week or so. I know. Can't do it. Um, But but we'll join you soon. And um, we really hope that you enjoyed Star Trek, the podcast experience. (laughs)